0: I'm going to do something I don't remember the last time I've done. Anything remotely close to this. But those of you that might follow along with the stuff I post on Facebook, uh, I posted this on Tuesday. I had one of those dreams. Um, I've had a few over the years, but I had a dream where I was preaching. And I made the statement in the dream, I need to need God. I said that from the pulpit I was preaching in, in the dream. And it woke me up. And I got up and wrote all of this down in about... Twenty minutes. It the flow was just just all flowed. It was. I didn't think any of this up. I didn't study any this out. The Lord spoke this to me, and I wrote it down. And I feel like it was such a specific word from God. I just want to share it. So I'm going to do what I almost never do. I'm going to read and comment. Read and comment. Read and comment. What that means for you is it's. Probably going to be shorter than my normal. Notice the word "probably." That's the best I can do. Okay. Um, Again, this you may it may sound far fetched to you, and I can't I can't make you believe it. But literally, literally. I preached this in my dream. And my closing statement was, I need to need God. And I woke up, and the Lord brought all of that back to me that He had been preaching through me in that dream, and I wrote it down. And uh, I don't believe there's any single part of this not even one word of it that I didn't preach in the dream uh, to the best of my knowledge Uh, so here goes this feels really weird I gotta be honest with you it does but we'll see a vibrant prayer life and a genuine relationship with god are mutually dependent i cannot have one without the other i do not have one if i do not have the other one is the expression the result of the other now to my brain all of that sounds very obvious But in all honesty, in my 49 years of ministry and travels on every continent except Australia, I must tell you that, excuse the double negative, it's not only not obvious to the average believer, it is a, it's almost a foreign concept. I know many people, if you ask them if you if you have a relationship with God, they'd say yes. If you ask them if they had a prayer life, they'd kind of cringe a little bit and say, yeah. Do you know I can believe in God and not know God? You know, I can be used of God and God not know me. So this is, this is a point that the Holy Ghost is really trying to make. I cannot and will not have an effective, fervent prayer life based on relationship with God until I first learn to pray because I have a deep, incontrovertible awareness that I need God. Now I had a, I, I I don't I rarely and you've heard me say this I rarely ever read the comments to what I post, but every once in a while I feel I I, I feel to just check it and see if people are getting what what was said, not for the purpose of debating with them or. You know whether the comments are negative or not sometimes people's comments will tell you you must have done a poor job of writing because they don't have a clue what you're talking about their comments tell you <laughs> they didn't get the point at all but in this particular case uh, most of the comments have been uh... pretty indicative that most people at least understood in principle what was being said but it's not really I know for me personally I I, I posted this just two days ago it just in fact it's the end part of this no it's not yeah um I'll read this again later but it's I want more than to have a prayer life I want to have a life of prayer and I posted this the next day for many years I was a preacher who prayed but over the last several years my whole life goal has changed I want to be a prayer who also preaches if I'm going to be defined by one or the other, I want prayer to be what defines me, not speaking the word. And the point I'm making to you here is for so many people that have the name of Jesus on them and have the Spirit of God in their life, Prayer is something they try to find a way to fit into their day. Some days they do pretty good with it. Some days they don't. It's uh, that really is indicative of the fact we really don't understand what prayer is but the more than anything else it proves we don't really understand that we need God. I remember many years ago uh, you know I was so frustrated my prayer life seemed to be inconsistent some days I spent a long time in prayer and really made contact with God communication and there were other days I prayed but I was busy and so I was trying to get my prayer in get it done because I had stuff to do and I asked the Lord back then I asked the Lord why am I not consistent in real prayer and really communicating with you in prayer why am I not consistent And he said to me, then, many years ago, he said, it's because you don't really believe you need me. He said, I said, without me, ye can do nothing. If you really, really believe that, you would pray like you believed it. Because if I really believe that, prayer would be my greatest priority of my day. Nothing would take priority over prayer if I really believe that. And I prayed then. And uh, in ministering at times, I would talk about this. And and I told people what I prayed. I prayed, Lord, my prayer, prayer life and its inconsistency demonstrates I don't really believe this so I know you love me so prove to me how much I need you and I had people come up to me after I would say that publicly that's foolish that's so foolish to pray that you're asking for trouble and problems I didn't say to the devil, prove to me how much I need God. I said to my father who loves me that I can trust totally. Prove to me how much I need you. I've never regretted one time praying that prayer. And I will acknowledge to you that as far as he's brought me in all of this, in all of this, I am deeply aware that I need to be reminded how much I need him. None of this was in my mind or spirit or whatever when I laid down Christmas night to sleep. That's why this coming so clearly stated and put together was so amazing to me. Because I know I didn't originate this. I know this this didn't come out of my thoughts. This wasn't something I was thinking about, meditating on, praying about, trying to, Come up with something to preach or teach. None of that. This <laughs> was given, just given, was given. I cannot will not have an effective, fervent prayer life based on relationship with God until I first learn to pray because I have a deep, incontrovertible awareness That I need God. This need is far beyond having a specific need in my personal life. That I recognize that he is the only one who can address it. I didn't say I have needs from God. Uh Uh-uh. Mary and Martha. The story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha was in the kitchen trying to cook a meal, and Jesus and all of those that traveled with him had shown up, and and she was under pressure trying to get a meal together to feed. And Mary wasn't in the kitchen helping her, and she bursts into the area where he's talking to her. She's on the on her knees at his feet where you can almost always find Mary you find Mary in the presence of Jesus she's almost always kneeling before his feet public or private doesn't make any difference and of course Martha is frustrated and she says to Jesus don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone and I'm paraphrasing now from the Greek command her that she, come in here and help me. And you can almost see Jesus shaking his head. He went, Martha, Martha, you're so full of trouble and care. You're, you're so bogged down by so many things. And you're so overwhelmed with life. Mary has chosen, he said, there's one needful thing. There's one needful thing, and Mary has chosen that good part and I'm paraphrasing again from the Greek, and nobody can take it away from her. He's saying to Martha, She's chosen to fellowship with me over feeding me. And I I don't have the right to void her choice to devalue her choice. I don't have a right to interrupt her desire to fellowship and send her off to the kitchen to help with a meal. The Greek is literally, the King James says, there is one one thing is needful. But the Greek is literally, of one, there is need. So when 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 uh, Paul is teaching in, in in Philippians chapter four about he's learned in whatever state he 's in to be content he was commanded to be full and empty at the same time he he was commanded to 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 uh, to be exalted and to be humbled all at the same time and he makes the statement he makes a statement that's to- totally taken out of context because the context of it is what I just said the ability to, to, uh, to be hungry and, and satisfied at the same time. Uh, to be thankful and uh, content. At all, all, all of that at the same time. And he, he says, uh, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That's not talking about exploits. It's talking about what seems to be a Contradiction. And that is how to be full and thankful at the same time that you're hungry for God. I've said it this way over the years in ministry. An apostolic has learned how to be thankful but never satisfied. Someone who's truly apostolic has learned how to be thankful but never satisfied. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. And the contradiction seems to be there in John chapter four, fourteen, talking to the woman at the well in the King James. Uh, if you knew who it was that said anything, give me a drink, you'd ask of him uh, and he would give you living water. She said, sir, you don't have anything to draw with. the well is deep. He said, whoever drinks of this water pointing at the well shall thirst again. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, King James says, shall never thirst. It shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. But, but, there are three words in the Greek in what's called the Texas Receptus or the Received Text, which is the text that the King James was translated from, which is not the same same Greek text that most modern translations are translated from. And so, in all of my translations in my Bible app, I have all the ones that are translated from the King James text all in the beginning and there at the front, and I use the others sparingly. Because they have left some things out, okay I had you know that I have I read occasionally that uh, for comparison's sake, the living Bible, uh, the message Bible, and then of course also the um, oh come on there's, there's like three paraphrases they're not even translations you have to you have to remember that you can't take them as scripture they are there's as much commentary as they are translation but the n i v uh even the amplified which is from the same text it's called the nestle text and uh I don't fully trust that text so therefore i'm Anything that's translated from that text, I compare with translations from the Texas Receptus. I said all of that to say that the uh, one of the ones I rely on the most is Young's literal translation, which is uh, instead of trying to be poetic and 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 readable like the King James translators tried to make it, he, he, Mr. Young back in the 1800s translated from that same Greek manuscript and he tries to be very literal. Well, he translated the three Greek words that the King James translators did not translate from John 4.14. And his translation clarifies what appears to be a contradiction Jesus said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. The King, King James says, if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst. Which is it? Am I supposed to be thirsty or not thirsty? But Young's literal translation says, I'll never thirst for this age or this world. So I'm supposed to be so satisfied with Jesus that I'm not, I don't, I'm not thirsty for this world, but I'm supposed to never be satisfied with how much of a fellowship I have with Jesus or relationship I have with Jesus. Then Paul concludes, just a few verses later, the whole point he was making in Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all your need. The Greek word is singular. The, transla- the word used to translate it is singular. There's no place where he said, My God shall supply all your needs. Why? Because he told Martha concerning Mary of one. There is need. And if you don't get that revelation, that no matter what you have or don't have, no matter what you get or don't get, no matter what you're striving for or not striving for, whether you're married or single, whether you're young or old, whether you have children or you don't, grandchildren or you don't, whether you have money in the bank or no money in the bank, the bottom line is there's only one that you need. That's why he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you because you don't seek the additions. Your focus is seeking him and to be a part of his kingdom and he initiates the additions. You don't seek the additions. Now I'm going to make a statement that, that's the whole point of this lesson. If I have Jesus, I don't need anything else. But flesh says, but I, I need this and I need that. I need food. I need a place to sleep. I, I, you know, I can't sleep like the animals out in this cold. I need this. Blah, blah. No, no. He already said that he's your father and if you're his child he knows what you have need of and you don't even have to ask for it some want the truth of god some want the fellowship of the spirit of god some people want the power of god some people want the love of god some people want the grace of god there's really a simple thing to do you just seek jesus And everything comes in the one package. You don't seek gifts. You don't have to seek the authority. You don't have to seek the power. You don't have to. You just seek Jesus. That's why, even though I've taught much on spiritual warfare, you've heard me say it. I am not a devil chaser. If there are demons in this room right at this moment, I don't know it. And I don't care to know it unless my father says it's important for me to know it at this point in time. Standing here right at this moment, I I couldn't tell you absolutely with certainty that there are angels in the room because I don't seek to sense angels or devils. I seek Jesus. I want to be sensitive to his spirit. I want to be in tune with his voice. I want him. Now, Please understand, I'm not standing here as the paragon of the example of this. This is a daily point of growth for me. Some days it's better than others. I don't ever expect to have this down where I can check it off my list and say, okay, that's done, what's next? this precious lady over here that is sharing our 50th year together with me you say it's not your 50th anniversary that's not true on the 2nd of november we started our 50th year together this whole year's the 50th year you're not going to cheat me out of celebrating the whole year forget it i got a lot of things to celebrate this year i get to settle the, i get to celebrate the 50th anniversary of meeting her and 50th anniversary of getting engaged and I'm celebrating all that I got it all planned out okay but trust me (laughs) there's never been a day in time that I could check off the box and say I'm now a husband no 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 pastor preached it here Sunday morning I'm a better I hope I'm trying to be a better husband today than I was last year five years ago ten years ago I know for sure I'm a better husband I was on the first of November or the second of November which was the day after uh, second of November 1968 I know that I'm a better husband today than then But if I love her, which I do with everything in me, if I love her, there's never a point in time that I'm going to say, okay, that's done. What's next? What's next? There is no next. Because tomorrow I've got to focus on being a good husband tomorrow. and she is so kind not to point out the days that i don't get there that day but i'm aware of it <laughs> i'm aware of it i need to know that i need to know that i need god every moment of every day literally i need to truly fully believe that without him i could do nothing One individual commented on, uh, was it yesterday's post? It was yesterday's post. Or was it this, it was this morning's post about, uh, it was an old post that I came across from 2013 and that was back when I had about 50 followers. And so it just struck me this morning when I came across it so I reposted it today and it was if if you had to count on some a Christian just like you if you were lost and you had to count on a Christian just like you to bring you the gospel what chance would you have to be saved if your only hope of hearing about Jesus was someone who has the commitment desire, faith, relationship with God that you have. Would you have any chance of being saved if your only hope was somebody just like the way you feel about the lost and being involved with the lost? What what chances would you have to be saved? And 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 he wrote back and said, Well, they already know. And I said, I don't I don't want to debate with you, but could you give me chapter and verse for that? He quoted Romans one twenty, which on the surface it might seem like that where it says that things that can be known of God, his eternal Godhead and power, that are made obvious to everybody, and they're without excuse. And I wrote back and said, I, I don't want to debate with you, but please consider that this statement is only talking about whether or not people acknowledge God. Acknowledging God, and believing and obeying so that you can be saved it's not even synonymous they're not even remotely the same obviously you have to if you don't acknowledge the existence of god there's no way for you to be saved so the scripture says that everybody knows unless they choose to ignore there's a god so the point coming back to this is how many people think that they are responsible for the fact that their heart's still beating today that they're they're breathing so their existence must be pretty boring beat heart breathe beat heart breathe all day long beat heart breathe beat heart breathe beat heart breathe, beat, heart, breathe. And if they have any kind of activities, I don't know how they do that. Beat heart, beat heart, beat heart, beat heart. How do they do anything else? Because obviously if they are self-sufficient, it's all on them to keep their heart beating because they don't need him for anything. So obviously it's a very unwise thing to deny how much we need Him. The problem is, the guy out there that's completely, he doesn't acknowledge it at all. I'd like to see him say, but he's not my concern. My concern is the people who have tasted of the power of the world to come, have experienced the Word of God working in their lives, but who live their lives in a manner that indicates they don't really believe they need God until a need comes up that they can't handle we i hadn't had a chance to check to see how sister leanne mott was doing since she's gotten settled here we travel so much and so i Asked to spend a few minutes with them yesterday to check and see how she's doing. I asked, how are you doing, et cetera, And we talked talked a little bit, and she said, well, I'm doing well, except I haven't started driving yet. If you've never been someplace where they drive on the wrong side of the road, you don't have any idea how much of a challenge it is to go someplace else and drive opposite of how you've always driven and I said to them when I go when I arrive at an airport in one of those places where you drive on the left hand side after I get my car get all the stuff in the car I sit before I ever move it and I begin to pray Father I can't do this I need you to help me do this. I don't want to kill anybody else, and I don't want to kill me. And I've driven quite a bit on the left-hand side of the road at this point, but trust me when I say this, there's not one time (laughs) that I get in a car, and it happened twice this year that I had a vehicle I rented, on trips I had to make for weddings to the UK. Three weddings in Liverpool this year. Wow. Anyway uh, (laughs) the last two times I rented a vehicle and uh, it didn't matter. I don't care if I'm in a car by myself with somebody else. I'm praying. Father I can't do this. I can't do it. My brain is programmed on this side. And if you don't keep me alerted of course when I have my beloved with me which only happened on the last trip she helps the Lord out and I appreciate all the help I can get I need to know that I need God every moment of every day literally I need to truly fully believe that without him I could do nothing. This is the need to know and truly fellowship with the one in whom I live and move and have my being. I want to fellowship with the one all day in whom I live and move and have my being. Now, if whether I fellowship with him or not, I live and move and have my being in him. I got a question which is the preferred way to live? To be in to live in him and move in him and have your being in him but to deny it by either ignoring it or openly denying it or is it, is it preferable to go through the day consciously and subconsciously acknowledging that in him you live and move and have your being. And the number one expression of that is prayer. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I have people ask me these days, do you have a prayer time? Yes, I do. And they pause waiting when I get up. What do you mean when you get up? When my eyes open, my prayer starts. It may not be anything more, anything deeper than simply, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Some days it starts with tongues, but it starts. Well, how long do you pray? Till it's time to go to sleep. Consciously or subconsciously I want to be connected with him so that there's communication between us going on all the time I'm going to say this to you I don't get there every day but I know the difference and I feel the difference To have the degree of awareness that I, need, that I need God that is necessary for a real prayer life, I must, I first must and will fail often and in every way. This is not an excuse to sin. It is an acknowledgement of how much humanity wants to be in charge consciously or subconsciously and see and it also it, it also would demonstrate the difference between your definition of failure and the bible's because the word sin in the greek is h a m a r t i a the english equivalent letters and it literally means to miss the mark So failing means the Lord has established. He's offered us whatever. He's offered us all of this. He's offered all this to us. And that becomes my mark. It's not only His offering. It's His expectation. But the problem is if I'm trying to achieve His expectation... I will fail every time if I'm trying to achieve it. To have the degree of awareness that I need, that, need, that I need God that is necessary for a real prayer life, I, must, I first must and will fail often and in every way. I must experience the absolute futility of trusting my flesh and my will To do what is right and good. And anybody that tells me. That they do right and good all the time. Through their own efforts. That is the biggest liar. That you've ever encountered in your life. That person is a liar. In addition to being a liar. They're trying to steal God's glory. Because whoever is the power behind you doing right and good gets the credit. And if by your efforts you're doing right and good all the time and you never fail at that, then there's only one person who can be praised for that, and that's you. But if you acknowledge, as uh, I will, the next part, let me read this. This failure enables me to fully face the fact that in me, that is in my flesh, There dwells no good thing. If I cannot do right by myself, then there's absolutely nothing else that I can do myself. Absolutely nothing. Therefore, I need God. This was Paul's whole conclusion in Romans 7. The things I would do, I I don't do. The things I don't want to do, that's what I do. Oh, wretched man. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank my God through Jesus Christ my Lord. Now there's the common Greek word for thank, but that's not the word that's included in that verse. The word thank there is actually the Greek word C-H-A-R-I-S charis or Grace. And it's translated, thank there. In other words, only by the grace of God can I be delivered from the body of this death. His empowering me to do right. And of course, the book says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. It's never acceptable to sin. Never acceptable to sin. Sin is sin. God never ignores sin. He never excuses sin. But the bottom line is this. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we confess those sins, but confession and repentance are not synonymous. Confession means God says this or that is wrong. Confession is the Greek word to speak in agreement with. Confession is God, I agree. You said this thing I did or what I did, I should have done, I didn't do is sin. I confess that what I did is sin or what I didn't do I should have is sin. I confess that. That is not repentance. Repentance is when God, by His grace, enables you to change your mind and change your direction. Now, anybody that tells you that when they sin, they repent every time they do that... (laughs) They're lying. Because if I fell or failed and I confessed that and repented, that means I've changed. So I'm not going to have to repent of that again, am I? I've changed. Now, I was raised in Pentecost, and that's the way it was preached. Woo, buddy, you're saved. You're going to do this perfectly from now on. Well, you've got to take a whole bunch of Paul's writing out of that. Paul, Paul made it very clear. He wasn't excusing failure. He wasn't excusing sin. It's sin. Sin. And no sins enter into those gates. But at the same time, this is a process. That's why Peter said, the last words of peter second peter three eighteen grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What does it mean? grow in grace? I've got to grow in my trust of God's ability to empower me first of all to want to do right and to not and to want to not do that which displeases him and 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 if and if, if I can't even take credit for the desire to do right. And the desire to not do that which is not right. If I can't take credit for that, I certainly can't take credit for when I do right. And I don't do that which is wrong. I can't take credit for that either. Because all of that is the grace of God at work in me. And growing in grace means I'm learning how to let him empower me. But you know what the problem with grace is? It only works in proportion to your awareness of your need for it. Because grace is very simply defined as the love of God at work in us to produce in us His character. That's why Paul said, was it the Galatians, I think? I travail in birth again for you till Christ be formed in you. Wait, wait. He travailed in birth the first time till they got saved, but now he's travailing in birth again till Christ is actually formed in them? Galatians uh, 3.27 says, For as many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Well, that's true. But then why would Paul say in Ephesians 4.24... Put on the new man, which is created in in God un, under righteousness and true holiness. I thought I already had him put on. No. Everybody receives that robe of righteousness when you get saved. But we don't understand what we received, and we put it off. And Paul understood that people put it off. He said the Galatians having begun in the spirit are you now made perfect by the flesh? You needed the spirit to come to God. But now that you've been born again now you're going to go back to flesh trying to be good? Oh praise God. When I truly have the awareness that I need God for everything The idea of starting the day without first fully connecting or first truly connecting with God in real prayer would be considered preposterous to me. So understand the statements I'm making and I'm about to make are not for the purpose of condemning but challenging. The priority you put on prayer, whether you wake up at 4 Six, eight, or noon. I'll just throw that out there to cover all those age groups. Praise God, glory God, hallelujah. <laughs> Whenever you start your day, the attitude you have when you start your day about the place that prayer should take in and be in your life when you start your day is a direct. Indication of the degree of your revelation, of how much you need God. Well, I don't—I can't think of anything I need Him for today. That's the whole problem, isn't it? You haven't transitioned from needing Him for stuff to needing Him instead of stuff. That's why the, 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 the one of the most famous verses on faith is. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that seek him. Not seek from him, but seek him. That's faith. And you know, we're all busy. And if you're not busy, God help you, I guess. I don't know. but We're all busy. Whether it's busy getting up and checking Facebook first thing. Oh, I didn't have to say that, did I really? Yeah, I did. Mm. Or getting up and hurriedly get dressed to get off to work. Brother Wright, you know what time i got to be at work? You Did I say you have to get on your knees for two hours before you go to work? It's it's an attitude that you connect with the Lord when you get up and you pray through the day. Throughout the day, you pray. Now, obviously, if I only talk to her, you know, over my shoulder while I'm doing something else, we're going to have problems. Because... (laughs) Let me tell you something. Let me tell you, husbands are soon-to-be-husbands stuff. I'm a fixer, and I thought for years that when she told me about stuff she was having a problem with, she was expecting me to fix it. Do you know how long it took me to understand what she really wanted was for me to just sit down, shut up long enough to just let her tell me what's bothering her and she wasn't expecting me to do anything about it but listen real good not listen while I was checking my phone or playing a game but listen just listen well I want to pray all day consciously or subconsciously I want that connection between the Lord and I to be there all day it's not there you know <laughs> and this is this is the hardest time of the year it is there's something about the spirit of the holidays whether you celebrate Christmas or not that's not even an issue it's just something about the spirit of the holidays it's it's the end of the year I, I you know I don't have you know it, 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 Stuff backs off a little bit. There's not the same pressure. There's not the same expectations. We're just, you know, just and and before you know it. So I'm not I'm not sharing this with you tonight to put you under pressure, and make you feel bad. But I thank the Lord He gave me this because this is one of the things He's been doing to try to keep help me stay focused during these few weeks. Like sometimes I haven't done. Some of you have a real problem with me being transparent. Sorry. I would rather tell you the truth about my inconsistencies rather than you put me on some pedestal and use me on being on a pedestal as the excuse why you don't have to try because you can't live like that. And you know the problem with people putting you on the pedestal as a preacher? It's only a matter of time till they decide to cut the pedestal down. So, I've never put myself above the people. I've had people that tried to put me above the people, but they called it honoring. It wasn't honoring at all. It was isolating me so that they could admire who I was and what I did, but be able to tell themselves, God doesn't expect me to be that. Eh, Wrong answer. I wonder if the Lord's going to have one of those buttons in the judgment. No, he's probably not going to need that because the Bible says there's not going to be... Our mouths are—we're not—we're not going to offer any excuses, and for some, that's going to be the most amazing thing about the judgment—the <laughs> fact that they stand there and listen to him go through the whole case and then make a a, a pronouncement, and them not even try to defend themselves—that—that'll be really amazing to see. We'll ha- we'll know that we're no longer on this earth when that happens <laughs> because I have met some professionals at making excuses in my day praise God so I'm trying, I'm getting there when I truly have the awareness that I need God for everything the idea of starting the day without first truly connecting with God in real prayer would be considered preposterous to me this can. Connection facilitates fellowshipping with Him in prayer. Being with Him in prayer enables me to humble myself before Him in full surrender. This complete giving of myself over to Him then allows me to become His conduit of ministry to and for His kingdom. Prayer that is not based on my awareness of my total need for God is religious prayer. It's mostly prayed out of what we tell ourselves is obedience but is, is in fact only obligation. We quote unquote put in our time and we call it praying. When we have no awareness of a specific need in our personal lives, religious prayer goes through the motions of doing and saying those things that are required, quote unquote, and expected, quote unquote. If you were God, would you bother to listen to someone who was just talking at you because they were expected to talk. Ultimately, it is impossible to have a true prayer life without eventually becoming holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy in love with our Father and being filled with thanksgiving for Him. It is impossible to have a biblical, vibrant, fervent, effectual prayer life, and not fall in love with Jesus more and more every time you're with him throughout the day. His patience is amazing. His long-suffering is beyond comprehension. His willingness to forgive is unexplainable, except he loves us. That makes His love the most indescribable, undefinable thing in existence because it is truly the greatest, greatest indicator of His deity because no human being can love like that. If over time our prayers do not result in us coming to love Him, then we are not truly praying I want more than to have a prayer life. I want to have a life of prayer. And then finally, a true relationship requires two-way communication. A relationship with God that is expressed first and foremost through prayer requires the same. Religious prayer is just talking. Most of the time just talking. Sometimes it's talking at God. And occasionally, if the need, the personal need is severe enough, we may actually try to talk to God to try to tell him what we want him to do, change, and fix. But it's not fellowship. A relationship with, it, with God that is expressed first and foremost through prayer requires two-way Communication. A significant element of true prayer is listening. And this I wrote this down the other morning. I've never thought this. It's never crossed my mind. It was the final sentence to what he gave me. And there's nothing that I can think of that is truer for me in this context I am much more interested in me hearing what he is saying than him hearing what I'm saying that is true prayer that is relationship praying that's where he's brought us to now Once you quit making excuses for yourself and you give yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to know you and I want to know you by fellowship in prayer. Teach me. Teach me your ways. Teach me how to do this. Let your grace put in me the desire to be with you in prayer, to be connected with you all day long. And let your grace empower me to do that. If you will pray that prayer and mean it. You don't have to pray it every day. But I pray it periodically just to renew it in my own mind and spirit. He doesn't forget it. I may. So I will pray it again. Because I want these ears to hear what's coming out of my mouth. Because out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaketh. I want my ears and this flesh to hear what I'm saying. There are many things that I say in prayer over time that I don't say for God's sake. I pray them for my sake. I pray them so in speaking them, my ears, therefore my flesh, can hear what my heart and spirit are saying. That may not make any sense to you at all. Hopefully it does, but it may not. That's why there are some things I pray regularly. I'm not trying to remind God of anything. I'm trying to remind myself of those things in my fellowship with God. Praise God. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for these that are here. Thank you for this opportunity to be together. Thank you for this word. I know this was your word and is your word. And I give you the thanks and praise and the honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.